Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In a world filled with movies, comedies, dramas, thrillers, and action-packed adventures, only one podcast dives deep into the magnificent titles found on HBO Max, and only one man can host such a show. Me! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the HBO Max Movie Club, where, get this, I am going to go ahead and make your day. It's me, Matt Rogers, yet again, nothing's changed there, and that's going to be the big goal on this episode of this podcast, but I do have to stop myself right now, because my fake OCD is acting up. I just did that iconic Clint Eastwood line, and I didn't even attempt to do it in his voice, so let me just rectify that right now, if you'll give me the time and the space. Thank you so much in advance. Go ahead. Make my day. Nailed it? Sort of. You might be wondering to yourself out there in the dark listening to this podcast, why is Matt Rogers, of all people, on this episode doing a Clint Eastwood impression? That's not really the brand, right? Well, first of all, I do contain multitudes. And second of all, this actually is a Clint Eastwood-themed episode of the HBO Max movie podcast, a Clintathon, if you will. Sort of a sister podcast episode to the Keanuthon we did a few weeks ago, or rather a brother podcast episode, these men being capital M men, okay? We're here to celebrate Clint because of the release of Cry Macho, his new directorial effort that he also stars in, which is streaming on September 17th on HBO Max and is also in theaters. And remember, it's streaming for a limited time on HBO Max, so you got to get to it if you want to watch it from the comfort of your damn home. Or if you'd like to, you can enjoy the legendary screen presence that is Clint Eastwood, the one and only on the big screen, just like God, if you believe in him or her intended, or them. This man is three times my age, and I actually just wrapped production on my first feature film, Hold Your Applause, and I had a supporting role, and I'm exhausted. Being on set, it's a lot of, you know, hurry up and go. It's tiring. It's tiring work. And when you're the director, you're just, you're giving everything. And when you are the star of a film, in every single scene, which he is, you are, it's, you have to be a workhorse. And I cannot imagine being 91 and executing a film as a director and also being number one on that call sheet. It's really to be commended. And this is obviously a man who loves the hell out of what he does. Let's talk a bit about Cry Macho. Based on the book, released in the 70s, early 70s, Cry Macho stars Clint Eastwood as a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder Okay, who, in 1978, takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom, aka bad situation in the house down. 
crossing a rural Mexico on their way back to Texas, the unlikely pair faces an unexpectedly challenging journey, during which the world-weary horseman may find his own sense of redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. Wow. It tackles toxic masculinity. It aims to answer that question of what it means to truly be a capital M man. And it has cockfighting. So it might be different for a lot of you out there. A lot of you that might be listening to this podcast because you were a quote-unquote Matt Rogers fan. I wanted to hear what I was sort of getting into on this podcast. Maybe you sort of are the type who's like... You know, I'd rather discuss what's going to go down this season between Meredith and Jen on The Housewives of Salt Lake City. So this might be new for you. But you have to try new things in life. For lunch today, I actually had fried okra. And you know what? I thought it was fine. So this is a film that actually took years and years and years to make it to the big screen. Interesting facts abound. Okay, this was a 30-year process. Way back in 1991, production on an adaptation of the novel began in Mexico with actor Roy Scheider, who you may know as Brody from Jaws, in the lead role, but the project was eventually scrapped soon after. So they actually started production and then didn't finish. So another attempt to make this film uh, actually happened in 2011 when Arnold Schwarzenegger was set to play Eastwood's character in another planned adaptation, which would have marked his return to acting after his term as the governor of California. But like the Scheider version, the project was canceled before production could get very far. Years passed, and eventually the film found its way back to Clint Eastwood, who this project had actually been discussed with as early as 1988, long, long ago, way back in the Dirty Harry era, which is actually why Clint passed the first time so he could reprise that role. This movie definitely feels familiar. Clint has been exploring this sort of quiet, modern, Western tone for quite some time, and he also frequently explores themes of mentorship in his directorial efforts. But this is actually the first time ever in a Clint Eastwood movie where there's like a rooster with a name. And yes, this movie features a cock named Macho. There are lines of dialogue about, and I do quote, finding the girth. This movie is very cock-heavy. Clint Eastwood says at one time, if you want to name your cock macho, that's fine by me. And there's a lot of cock in the movie. There's cock fighting. And, you know, that would appeal to me ordinarily. But, you know, it's just, again, not a movie I would sign up for. But then I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, you know what? This actually surprised me. And you're going to hear later in my But How Is It a Queer Narrative segment how I was surprised. Now, In terms of guests, I actually asked several straight men if they would like to be on this episode with me. Just kidding. I don't know any of those. But if you are straight, it's okay. I actually have a cousin that's straight, and he's doing really well. So today on this episode of HBO Max Movie Club, I'm actually welcoming one of my favorite comedians who happens to be gay and one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people, someone I'm thrilled to call a friend, the one and only Gabe Liedman who you may know as a writer on, I mean, every good show, Pen15, Transparent, Inside Amy Schumer, Broad City, the list goes on and on. He is the creator and showrunner of the new series Q-Force, the new animated series Q-Force, which is now streaming on Netflix, sorry, which also features, get this, me, if that's something you're into. And we are going to be touching on Crime Macho as well as some of Clint's other work, two favorites of mine, Genuinely, which are Mystic River and Million Dollar Baby. I love both of these movies. Truly, truly, truly great pieces of work. I watched Mystic River in college and 
it's just Shakespearean. It's just so good. Sean Penn, I believe, gives one of the best performances of all time. It has iconic Marsha Gay Harden crying scene. Laura Linney is giving you Lady Macbeth the house down. Love Mr. River. Oscar-winning performance there by Tim Robbins. We're also going to discuss Million Dollar Baby. Like I said, another incredible, incredible performance. Oscar-winning work from Hilary Swank and Morgan Freeman. So, you know, we're finding out here, Clint Eastwood, big actor's director. Lots of people earning Oscar nominations under his directorial thumb. Two Oscar-winning modern masterpieces. We're going to discuss both of those, as well as Cry Macho. Honestly, I'm loving this. Let's go ahead. Let's start our thing here. Let's start the podcast episode. Let's make our own day with my guest, Gabe Liebman. Hi, Gabe. Hi. Hi. Uh, It's so great to have you on the Clint Eastwood episode of this podcast. Oh, my God. You've gotten my emails begging. (laughs) I said, who do I look at and say, it's giving Clint? It's giving Clint. It is me. (laughs) It's you. What is your experience with sort of Clint? Like, what, 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 before I asked you to be on this podcast and said we're doing Clint what 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 were the sort of uh, Clint interactions you had had culturally okay well obviously Bridges of Madison County huge huge uh, a bathtub scene um and I also briefly dated a guy who hated me who I watched a lot of Dirty Harry <laughs> movies with <laughs> So do you feel that it was, like, explicit that he hated you? Like, it was like he treated you badly? Or it was implicit that he hated you because he he was putting Dirty Harry in front of you and you were like, this guy must hate me. All the signs were there, but I was so unwilling to see them. It's really in retrospect that I'm like, oh, that person absolutely had no respect for me whatsoever. But at the time, I was like, oh, we're deeply in love and I can fix this. Yeah. And one of the ways you fix this were sort of by being like, yes, I'm interested in the dirty Harry Cannon. I will watch absolutely any film that you put onto your screen in order to be here Mm-hmm. And disrespected, yeah, hundred percent. And that's actually a that's actually a, a, a huge narrative in queer romance, which is I'm happy we finally segued into it on the Clint Eastwood episode. It's how queer men sort of learn how to be themselves in relationships. You know what that's I mean? That's right by doing yeah. it wrong for about fifteen years. <laughs> I think Clint would be happy we discussed this. You know, in this film, Cry Macho, there's a lot of cock. You know. There's a ton of cock. There's cock in every scene. They're chasing cock left and right. Over borders. They're they're crossing crossing borders with the cock. They are using the word girth. Absolutely. But here's the thing. I don't want to float too far away from Bridges of Madison County because that's actually a movie that I had forgotten that he directed. And what a beautiful piece. The versatility. Absolutely tender. Absolutely, absolutely tender, tender. Francesca so torn, and then you know she Meryl really. That it's one of the formative '90s Meryl Streep performances, giving Italian woman. Yes, oh my God, and convincingly, and the love, the love, the love. It's so nice, almost borderline age appropriate. Truly, and you know, you know, the thing too is like w- with that movie, we sort of had him as like. Yes, he was older at the time because the man is, this is one thing, so old. He's 91 years old as it stands. 
And in this movie, Crime Macho, they sort of do this thing where where he meets that woman and she tries to like, sorry, but fuck him. And yeah. and I'm like, I don't know. Because it's actually, I mean, he, he was old even in Bridges. All of all of the two women in this film are <laughs> extremely, extremely camp, which is fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. There's the first woman who's the boy's mother is yeah, she's so a wild. And then, of course, the love woman is so Marta. camp also. Yeah, Marta as the sort of like unwilling to hide her her love for him from second one. It's no. so, so clear. Yeah. And beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I mean, Clint Eastwood, uh, we're, if we're to watch this film, is a sex icon, even at 91, which, you know, uh, all power to him. My thing just is like, I, I can't believe that he puts out a movie like every year. Like it's like yeah. the, the Clint Eastwood movies be coming out and he's still, I, I, like I was telling all the listeners earlier, like I just wrapped my fir- first ever film and I'm exhausted. So this is a gay podcast, LGBTQ. Um, if you're going back. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. If you're going, you back, won't be altering my voice in any way then. No, 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 no. I'm not going to like deepen your voice. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> maybe we should, maybe, maybe I should go in post. Just like, just, you know what? Just for the next minute, please, Matt, still engineer deep in our voices. That would be, uh, make us sound like the phone calls on screen. That's yeah, what starting, I'm talking about. <laughs> starting now, deep in our voices. Okay, so what I want to know is, do you find Clint Eastwood hot, like, from when he was young? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Incredibly hot when he was younger. Yeah. And even when he was borderline older. Okay, I was going to say, I don't even think he's going for sex appeal anymore. No. That's not true. He is going for... He's a leading man. He's a leading sex man. Love appeal. Yeah. He is. My thing is, he always seems like probably the skin is rough. Because the man is always in an arid climate you know what i mean the man is never moisturized and you know he doesn't prioritize that when he gets home no not at all but i bet he does sunblock in between takes he's taking off his cowboy hat and he's putting on one of those wide brim straw hats that we all wear yeah 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 Yeah. he's because the thing is you know he he plays a cowboy in the movies he's not one and if he wanted to be one guess what he would be one okay bring our voices back to normal gay um, I'm happy that we had that conversation like that. That was yes. um, that was fun for me and important for me. The cowboy horse moments in Cry Macho. There's this time when they're on the road and they're driving, but they do stop to train horses for a while. Yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah. And the sort of language around breaking a horse, I think, is is really weird. But I have to tell you, like yeah, the horse breaking, the horse breeding. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, always like, yeah. How, what what is the process here? Like, and then I I sort of stop myself at that cliff before I jump all the way off of it because I don't want to know. But my thing with the horses is, you know, those shots in films where they're like down from below a horse and the horse is like neighing and sort of yeah. leaping. That must be a cinematographical nightmare (laughs) yes absolutely i mean one false hoof and your camera's broke that honey unless you're zoomed in from across the prairie which i don't think they are probably they're not they're getting these horses up close like blocking the sun from a short distance it's very beautiful the movie's gorge and how do they get the horse to do that they are they dangling like a sort of chew toy right above 
right above the frame. I don't know. And that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, these animals, like, how do you get them to do that? Like, I'm sure they're fine. But sometimes when an animal looks truly in distress, I'm like, see, I can't get, really get on board. You ever seen the movie Milo and Otis? Oh, of course. Yes. Well, you know the iconic scene where the little cat goes over the waterfall. Yes, absolutely. How the fuck did they get that cat How did out? they do that? <laughs> Moving on to Mystic River. Um, so... You've you've seen Mystic River. I have. It's bleak. It's bleak. It's dark. It's it's drama. It's Sean Penn with sort of the iconic uh, screaming of the line. Is that my daughter in there? You know what I yes. mean. It's Emmy Rossum before she was really Emmy Rossum, dead in a ditch. Um, it's it's a dark one. But this actually is one of my favorite Clint's, and he's not in it, which. He's often in his films, you know, yes. that's like sort of his thing. But I sort of love that movie because it's like you see him just as a director. And I think like you get like more dynamics out of the whole cast than when it's just Clint. Because sometimes when it's like when it's like Grand Torino or it's Clint, 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 it's like very and Clint is an energy and a vibe. And I love I love an ensemble cast. The amount of people he's directed to Oscar nominations and Oscar wins is like sort of staggering. Like, yeah, absolutely. Morgan Freeman, Oscar winner for Clint. Hilary Swank, Oscar winner for Clint. Tim Robbins, Oscar winner for Clint. Like, the list goes truly on and on. And, like, they are good performances. And I think that's what I respond to in Mystic River is just, like, first of all, I always want to see actresses, actress. And Mm Marsha Gay and Laura Linney are truly serving it. Marsha Gay is basically, like, doing a split in every scene. Like, she is, like, in the Olympics for acting. It's so intense and good she really stole it for me yes the scene in mystic river where she like spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen it and you can stream it now on hbo max but the scene where she sort of decides she's gonna go to sean penn and like tell him that she thinks that tim robbins killed emmy rossum i'm like this scene this this like quiet devastating acting Mm. you better give it up for marcia gayhart and then and she got an oscar nomination for for that and then the unsung best scene in the whole movie, I think, is at the end, after Sean Penn has, spoiler alert again, killed Tim Robbins. Sure. And he goes back, and Laura Linney is, like, telling him, like, that he shouldn't even think twice about what he did, and, like, when you when you do something out of love for your family, that can never be wrong, and then she says, you could run this town. And, Oof. like, like very, like, Lady Macbeth, I'm like, Clint, maybe you got something here. Maybe that the, the, he, he showed his gay man inside because he let Laura Linney tear it up. That's you know exactly I mean? right. He was like, you do what you think is right and do it four times bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah no, Mr. Griver, that one's a favorite of mine. And if we're going to do the Clint of Thon, I had to mention it. One of the things I thought throughout that film was that Boston is a genre. Mm. Of film, very much so, and also in this era of us appreciating accent work, af- right after *Mayor of East Town* really stormed the ball, and you can stream *Mayor of East Town* now on HBO Max. Um, this was like the original doll of that, like *Mayor of I East mean, Town* type of thing. You know what I mean? It was a thick accent across the call sheet in a very deep yes. way. Huge. No one didn't floor it. I would say. 
Yeah, it, that, it's like part of it. And also it's really aspirational. I think that's another thing that actors are like, yes, the accent. And specifically actory actors. And ev- everyone in this movie is like an actory actor. They're like Clint Eastwood, gritty Boston murder drama. They said, thank you, agents. They said, exactly. thank you, film gods. This was, this was like, it had to be actor's dream. And I feel the like down. they felt it more than if they ever played Southern, if they ever played British, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah I could do that. I could do that. And then it's like Boston. It's like, Oh, Boston. Yeah. yeah. Because, because there's a little bit of danger in the fact that it could go goofy. Yep. You know, and that's the fun of it. So wait, I feel I have to ask though, just to sort of not not leave behind the merit of Easttown thing too much because we have a Philly boy. Oh boy. What did you feel about the accent work? It was so good. And okay. Because some I, people some people this is controversial because it got a lot of credit for being good. And then I heard some some Philly people and some like, you know, Delco people that were like, well. Okay, so I am D I I I grew up very Philly, had Mm -hmm. the accent, and then was like a little priss and was like, I'm not that. So that's why I sound like this now. But it was work. And if I, you know, drink a little or whatever, I'm I'm Philly. The accents were really good. I mean, I'm taking Kate out of the equation because to start British and then do Philly is actually too hard. And she had the most lines. Yeah. Now I can't remember his name. The the Evan Peters. His was the best. Yeah, his was like one of the best I've actually ever heard on that show, and maybe in film history. And he also did a great drunk acting scene, and so and his his, his so accent good. his accent actually got even a little bit better when he was drunk, which is accurate, accurate because you are correct in saying that when you drink, your accent comes out. Because I have a Long Island accent or a Long Island accent when I drink or get tired. Yes. So, yes, accent work across the board, Mystic River, The House Down, actors acting. Now, to move on to the other movie I wanted to discuss in this Clintathon, this is Million Dollar Baby, and you have not seen it. No, I haven't, so you have to give me a full recap. See, here's what I'm going to do instead. I want you, based on what you know of Million Dollar Baby, to tell me the plot. And then okay. I'm going to tell you what the plot is. Go okay. for it. Hillary Swank is... Good so far. Okay. <laughs> Hillary Swank is in debt. Mm-hmm. And she wants to pay off her bills really quick. And she's kind of fit. So she starts going to a boxing gym where Clint Eastwood is the owner slash janitor. And no one else will take her seriously, but he sees something in her and he trains her and she does a boxing match and wins a million dollars and pays her bills. Okay. So I see what you've done there is sort of taken imagery from like posters, trailers, you know. One poster and the title of the film. And and then you sort of worked on the title of the film as sort of the big climax, like sort of assuming that they would do that, you know, like put the climax of the movie in the title, which is, I think, brave um, of you to assume. (laughs) You did a pretty good job in that you knew accurately some of the actors that were in it and you knew that it was boxing. I'm going to tell you right now. So basically, she plays Maggie, who's like, she really wants to like become this boxer. She's from like a family that's like real like you know rough around the edges she she wants to become a boxer so he like begrudgingly ends up taking her on because 
he owns this gym and you know he's this like cantankerous guy and he it's revealed that he's estranged from his daughter and so oh basically he's like hesitant about you know this one so basically they do end up training together and he does end up getting her to the point where she's really good and um he secures her a number like like a huge number i think it's a million dollars like it's a million dollar match and she is going to be his million dollar baby okay like 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 she is going to be so far i've nailed absolutely every detail so then you would think what happens is probably like this whole movie's been leading up to she goes and it's this boxing match and she wins and it's a story of triumph she goes to do the match she gets sucker punched by the girl she's fighting. She gets hit so hard, she falls over and her neck snaps on a chair. <gasps> she becomes paraplegic. Oh. So then she wakes up and she realizes that she's never going to walk again. Her family, who Ooh. couldn't want Ooh. anything to do with her ever, suddenly comes back like weeks after she's like in the hospital paraplegic in Disney World attire. You find (laughs) out that they hit up Disney World first and then came to visit her in the hospital because she's paraplegic. Now, at this point, she's like won some money from like boxing. So they try to get her to sign over money to them. And she basically says, fuck you. Like for the first time ever, she's like, fuck you. Like, I don't need you. And the, the mom played by Margot Martindale Oh, wow. Runs out upset. She asks Clint Eastwood to euthanize her. Oh! He refuses. Everyone refuses. The hospital refuses. She bites through her tongue (laughs) to try to drown in her own blood so she can die. Because she can't move. Because she can't move. And she'd rather be dead. So one night, Clint Eastwood shows up at the hospital... And this whole time, he's been calling her Mokushla. Um, like, he, that's his nickname for her. It's like a Gaelic nickname. Okay. I was going to say this sounds racial, but it's Gaelic. Okay. Mokushla. And she's always like, what is that? What is that? And he's like, don't worry about it. And then at the end, he, he whispers to her that Mokushla means my darling and my blood, solidifying a father-daughter type relationship that he had been hesitant to have with her. Wow. And he administers a fatal injection of adrenaline to her. Killing Adren- her. He went upper. He kills her. Oh, wow. And she... I would have done morphine. She passes away, and he never returns to the gym. And the whole time it's been narrated... It's been done the whole time it's been narrated by Morgan Freeman. Wow. And you find out that the narration is a letter... That he, that Morgan Freeman has been writing to Clint Eastwood's estranged daughter, letting him know what kind of man he is and what kind of father he can be. And is he a character in the film? He's like working at the gym. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now I understand it in a in a really big way. Can you believe that I that's what it is? I cannot believe that that's what it is. And now I want to see it, even though I know all the deets. It is. It, it, it's it's so crazy because it's when you start watching it and it's such a hard left. You think it's a sports drama. It's a s- dark, sobering drama that's a contemplation on euthanasia. 
I would expect nothing less of Hillary Swank. She really only sort of like goes for it. She is mask and sad. She's so good at it, and she won her second Oscar for it. Which, good lord! You know, good for Million Dollar Baby. That sounds like an excellent film. I see why everyone was so into it. I mean, it was it was truly the film of the year. It did win Best Picture. I mean, that wow. was Clint's, that was Clint's uh, a big one for Clint. Wow. But um, yeah, I'm so happy I could sort of let you know what we're dealing with here with with Million Dollar Baby and sort of dangle that carrot in front of you because I can tell you're intrigued. Dead serious. It's the Clintathon, baby. Yeah. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to do my weekly segment, and it's called But How Is It a Queer Narrative? So um, this is where I list how the film Crime Outro is a queer narrative over a techno beat that is put in later. You won't hear it. Um, but I watched the film Crime Outro, which I, you know, to be honest with you, could not have been sort of less interested in me being myself, but then watched it. And I realized that there's actually many things about this that make it a queer narrative and a worthwhile watch for me and for you, the uh, listeners at home. Here we go. Cock. The word girth, deconstructing toxic masculinity, protein, somber meditations on violence, scenery, a pleasing score, rough trade, honestly, daddy. Okay, and that is how the movie Crime Macho is a queer narrative. Do you have anything else to add to the elements of this film that make it a queer narrative for you? I mean, you covered so much. I really um, did. Yeah, I would say scenery. Yeah, like the, honestly, like the 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 vistas. Yeah, I would say um, existing in a drought applies to so many of us queers. A hundred percent. I mean, some of us went so many years thirsty as hell. (laughs) If you look at my Instagram, I might still be a little thirsty. Drama with fathers. I mean, you did say, okay, dad, you know, honestly, daddy. Honestly, daddy. I meant that sort of in terms of his aesthetic, but you know, what's crazy. Every movie has daddy issues. Yeah. Every movie I've discussed has daddy issues. Um, Yeah. I feel like you absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. So happy. Um, And I'm really encouraging everyone to try something new and watch. Also the title. I would say the title makes it incredibly queer. Cry Macho. Yeah, it sort of calls back to Macho Macho Man. The village people were sort of performing a masculinity there. But also I can cry. Exactly. Exactly. Gabe, listen, I want to thank you so much for coming on this episode. I I only thought of you for Clint Eastwood. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's the resemblance. It's the resemblance, yeah. Do you want to give them a go-ahead, make my day before we go? Uh, say the mean? iconic line, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> say the line, do it like a man. Go ahead, make my day. That was really good! Thank you, I leaned in. You leaned in! Oh my god, epic. Well, thank you so much, everyone out there, for listening. You can stream Cry Macho right now for a limited time only on HBO Max. It's also in theaters now, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much! Bye! Bye! HBO Max Movie Club is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Matt Rogers. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced by Camila Salazar, researched by Steve Griffin, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. 
If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed HBO Max Movie Club, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. Thanks for checking out the HBO Max Movie Club. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HBO Max Movies. See you next time. Bye. Cry Macho is available in theaters and on HBO Max in the U.S. only for 31 days from theatrical release. You can also watch Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, and Gran Torino on HBO Max until December 31st, 2021.